Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and Christian living. Crossroads is part of the media ministry at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Get to know us by visiting us online at fapc.org. Hi, I'm Jamie Staley, Director of Christian Education at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. This fall, we are looking at fear, whether that be in our lives, in our culture, or in the Bible. Last month, we spoke with Dr. Scott Bader Say about what it means to follow Jesus in our culture of fear. And this month, I'm joined by Dr. Beth Laniel Tanner, who is the Norman and Mary Cansfield Professor of Old Testament at New Brunswick Theological Seminary. Dr. Tanner specializes in Hebrew poetry, especially the Psalms of Lament, which is appropriate for our topic this month as we explore the book of Psalms and how lament winds its way through the psalmist's words. Hi, Dr. Tanner. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I'm very happy to be with you. Uh, I'm. It's been inter- an interesting conversation for us to have about fear, particularly in the year 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. So much uh, fear just over all sorts of different things. So um, it's it's interesting to look at this. You know, last month we looked um, at at some of Jesus's words and I'm excited to um, dive into some of the Psalms. So I guess just to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about the characteristics of Psalms of Lament? Sure. Um First, I, I want to remind everybody that they're poetry. Um, so they need to be read in a poetic way, but it's not the rhyming poetry that we think of. Um, what happens is that the psalms are set up in lines of either couplets or triplets. So let's look at Psalm 4, where it says, Answer me when I call, O righteous God. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. And so they're meant to be, these lines are meant to be read together. Um, that's one of the ways we look at the Psalms. And so we need to listen for those couplets and those uh, those triple lines. But lament Psalms usually have several parts. And amazingly enough, they're much like a prayer. I mean, in many ways, our Christian prayer forms come from all of the all of the psalms, not only the lament psalms, but the praise psalms and the psalms of trust. But lament psalms have several parts. They usually start with an address to God. Those can be lengthy and flowery, but flowery, but usually in lament psalms, they are short and sweet and get right to the point. And then there is what we call a complaint section. Complaint may not be the best name. Uh, because it's not a complaint like we think of complaints like, I don't like that vegetable, but it's a true cry for help or relief from a situation. In fact, a lot of us that work in Psalm scholarship don't call these complaint psalms or lament psalms, but prayers for help. It helps people understand better, really, in a modern world, what that means. After this, this complaint or this request for help, as I call it, we move on to a petition, which is asking God to provide deliverance. And it often gives reasons why God should act. Um, Asking God to intervene, if you will. And then after the petition, 
in what is a really quick turnaround for a lot of people, it will go from petitioning God and talking about how terrible the world is. And it moves immediately into an expression of trust. Sometimes those are even in the same verse. So it's as if the psalm just turns on a dime. And the expressions of trust and confidence in God are often based on the support that God has given the person in the past. So it's really interesting how, you know, scholars have always said, oh, well, maybe there's some time that passed between the complaint and the expression of trust. But I've served as a pastor as well as a professor, and I know that in times of stress, we can be devastated about the situation, but yet at the same time, in the same sentence, declare trust in God. So those don't have to be separate qualities. I, I think about when you've lost someone you love, you could be devastated by that loss, but there's something in your expressing that loss that brings up a memory of happiness, of trust, of confidence in God and confidence in God's protection of the person. So it's never, an, it's, it's never one or the other. We yeah. in our lives are usually a mix of both. And then at the end, there is usually a promise to praise God in the future or an actual praising of God. And again, I don't think that time has to pass. Sometimes we're not ready to praise God yet, that we're still in the mire of pain. But if we are, then the good news is, <coughs> excuse me, that the promise is there of praise at some point, that even if we're not there now, if, if I can't express praise at the moment, I'm able to know that someday I will. You know, some days, usually in life situations, some things eventually get better. Um, so that's part, that, those are the several parts of the Psalms. If you look at, let's look at, for example, Psalm 6, or Psalm 13, I'm sorry. It's a very short Psalm, which makes it easy to see. The address to God. And as I said, a lot of times with the complaints, there's no introduction like we are when we're in pain, we just dive right in. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? So we've called on God, but in the midst of feeling abandoned. So how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And so we've moved from address to God right into the complaint. There's, there's no stopping it. And then it goes, how long must I bear pain in my soul? And have sorrow in my heart all day long. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So there's the complaint. And then here's the petition. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I'm shaken. There's the petition. Moves right into... Now, usually in English, the expression of trust will have a but in front of it. That's just the way we translate it in English. In Hebrew, there is not the word but, it's the word and. So at the same time, you're saying, my foes will rejoice because I'm in sh I am shaken and I trusted in your steadfast love. So there's wow. not even a breath between those two statements. So... The turn happens 
but it happens in an instant. And we hold those two things together in faith, that we're both hurt, but we trust in God's steadfast love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And then the promise to praise, I will sing to the Lord because God has dealt bountifully with me. And these songs of praise or these prayers of lament are meant to be held together, um, not to be torn apart into pieces so we look at one verse. Uh, poems are poems all in one piece. Now, one part I wanted to bring up in this psalm, because one of the things I've seen with students and when I've taught in churches, are the words that trouble us are enemy and foe. Where in verse 4, and my enemy will say, I have prevailed, my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. In the modern world, we think of enemies usually as national enemies. We don't think of enemies. The problem with this being Hebrew is that this is an ancient word. And it does not necessarily mean wars or national enemies or even someone who wants us to do serious harm. The word in Hebrew can mean anything bad that's happening to us. In other words, the enemy doesn't even have to be a person. I, I tell my students to think of the enemy and the foe in the Psalms as a placeholder for whatever terrible thing is going on in my life. It could be a person that's hurt you. And normally we wouldn't use enemy if one of our friends or one of our family has hurt us. But if we think of it as a placeholder for whatever is causing us pain and fear, um, it could be a cancer diagnosis. It could be a job loss. It could be a pandemic. And give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And the pandemic will say, I have prevailed. Hmm. That really opens it up. Yeah, it does. And I mean, in, in, in the ancient Hebrew, that's what it's meant for. It's not meant to be an enemy the way we think of enemies now, but whatever it is. Because as you see with the psalm, it's very nonspecific. It doesn't tell us what's wrong. And in some ways, that's how it teaches us how to pray, because it gives us this space um, to pray. So, and to offer that we can give voice to our fears to God. Not just our praise, but our fears. Yeah, I, it's, I really like that, that placeholder, to be able to fill it in with all sorts of things. You know, uh, the next question I was going to ask, you know, which we can continue chatting, but this kind of jumps right into that, that, that how can these Psalms of Lament, how can we read these as Christians today uh, that can give us a voice for the fears that we're experiencing? How, you know, how do we use these Psalms of Lament today? Well, I think first off, what I've always loved about the laments is that it reflects an honesty, which mm. lays deep the relationship with God. Yeah. Um, the Psalms are unique because they're designed as human words to God. Mm. The rest of the Bible are narratives and those are stories about God. Or you get to the books like Deuteronomy and the prophets and the epistles and they are sermonic words about God delivered to people. But here are words from us to God mm. that are indeed scripture, right? Yeah. So you have to think about how does that work? How, does, how do <laughs> our words become scripture? But they do in the Psalms. And the truth is we live in the real world. Uh, we're mm. not 
always going to feel like praising God. Yep. On a Sunday morning in the midst of this year, <laughs> the whole year <laughs> filled with fear, filled with, you know, seriously, what else can happen? We don't always come to worship on a Sunday morning ready to praise God. Mm. In fact, we sometimes just drag in just hoping to find some ray of hope to help us hang on for the next week. Yeah. And what the Psalms show us, what the lament Psalms show us, is that God isn't far away and disinterested from our lives. And it shows us the, that the relationship with God goes on even in troubled times. Mm. I mean, we have the classic Psalm 22, right? And those were even Jesus' words from the cross that are picked mm. up in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew. Psalm 22, again, you don't get a lot of introduction with lament psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away from helping me from my roaring words? Mm. Oh my God, I cry by day and you don't answer and by night and I find no rest. Mm. (laughs) You don't talk to many people in your life like that. Yeah. And this shows God's trust in us that yelling at God is not a sin. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The Psalms teach us that we can bring our full selves to God Mm. and we can stand before God as who we are. And if who we are right now is someone that needs to scream and yell about the state of the world, then that's okay. Mm. And, you know, Sometimes I think Christians' faith gets stuck Mm, if all they can do is praise God. But the depth of relationship comes in the laments when we know that God is standing with us at the time. God is not some overlording parent or a king that can't be approached except with words of praise. Mm. That you can stand before, think about it, the creator of the universe and the author of life and scream, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. And that just says something about how much God thinks about us and wants us to be in relationship. And here in Psalm 22, the problem's God. (laughs) You know, sometimes the problem's other people, but in this particular Psalm, The issue of this psalm is with God. Mm. And whether, and the psalm never answers the question, is that a legitimate way to feel? It just accepts that that's okay. Mm. And I think it knows that sometimes that's exactly what you're going to feel like. Is that feeling justified when you feel a little better about yourself? Will you feel differently? Probably. But feeling abandoned by God is a legitimate perception that we've all felt in our lives Hmm. and that is good to have that validated for that feeling you know validated that that's okay yeah i mean you know especially here in the new york and new jersey area we've seen some horrible things in the last few months and we've heard horrible stories and a lot of us have lost friends or relatives that were in a hospital alone Mm, yeah. And I really hope that they had these words to comfort them. 
and the families did in knowing and feeling that the world has just blown up around you. And as I said, if you need any more reason for knowing that these are legitimate words, remember Jesus used them. <laughs> yes. So Jesus was very clear that it's okay to yell at dad, if you will, <laughs> uh. as families do. And so it's the depth of the relationship. But it's not just sometimes the God's the problem. If we look at Psalm 55, the problem is a friend. So it begins, I'll begin at verse 12. It's not the enemies who taunt me. I could bear that. It's not adversaries who deal insolently with me. I could hide from them, but it is you, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend, with whom I kept pleasant company. We walked in the house of God with the throng. And so here... The person is expressing the betrayal of someone very close to them to God. Mm. And again, that is a human emotion for all of us. We have yeah. all felt that. And so I really think getting back to the question of what we can do with this is that the Psalms teach us. A lot of people in this pandemic have been stuck alone. Mm. We've talked a lot about worrying about the mental health of people who have been alone for extended periods of time. This gives us a place to go with our fears, even if, <laughs> you know, we are talking to other people by Zoom and by telephone. God is still there in the middle of the night when we woke up scared to death, yeah. wondering if we could even go get groceries. There was that comfort there. Um, so I think it really teaches us about relationship with God. Mm. You, you know, in talking about, you know, that comfort there and being able to find comfort in these Psalms of lament, you mentioned that, that, um, and at the end of the, some of them, is that, is that at the end of all of them or is it, is it some, or what does that look like? Most of them do have, um, that piece that they turn okay. to that, that, um, that piece of trust at the end. But there are a few that don't. For example, Psalm 88 just ends in darkness. <laughs> yes, that one. That one is quite dark. <laughs> but I also think that the way these were preserved for us, we know that there are times when that's true as well. Hmm. And yeah. what I think there is, even though there's not a declaration of trust in Psalm 88, God is still there with the one that has no helper. Mm. And even if it ends tragically, mm -hmm. God is still there. So I think that's one of the reasons why those particular pieces, there's another one where there's actually a reverse lament in Psalm 89. It starts out, then this is a group of people, praising God, you did all these wonderful things to us, right, for mm -hmm. us, and it was wonderful. <laughs> and it's really a psalm about the exile, but then they go, oh, yeah, and then you abandoned us. <laughs> and you stopped on the covenant and you left us here. So what are you going to do about it? So it's actually a reverse lament. Mm. But again, it functions as a community trying to deal with a great loss. Mm. You know, that is feeling betrayed. 
Yeah. And again, you know, if you internalize those feelings, you know, one of the things I love about the Psalms is that, you know, they didn't have psychologists <laughs> and they didn't even take psych 101, <laughs> but somehow they knew the cathartic power of speaking pain. Mm. And, you know, if, if, for, for folks that are Korean, my Korean students have helped me learn that the concept of Han, the Korean concept of Han, which is expressing this deep pain. Mm. And it's actually expressed in prayer and worship. Um, and it's not, you know, sometimes I think that we, it's what we call the null curriculum, the things we teach by not really intending to teach them. Mm -hmm. But because often our public prayers are prayers of the people. Mm-hmm. We teach people to pray for others, but we don't yeah. often to teach, teach them to pray for themselves. Yeah. The Psalms of Lament say, no, you should pray for yourself too. <laughs> you know, you should, you, you, should, you should empty your heart to God. And if, mm. you know, if we truly believe that God already knows what we're thinking anyway, then we might as well say it. Yeah. But it really does teach us that God is, is there in the darkest times as well. Is there a, um, how have these, you know, so we're looking at like, how can we use these Psalms today, you know, in these fears that we're feeling, is there places they've been used in history that we know of or places, how have people used these Psalms, um, in the past? Well, I think that any time, um, I think they've been used both in public and private worship. I mean, I started the, the lament Psalms. Back in the early 90s, when, mm. you know, no one wanted to talk about them, you know, happy, happy praise music. Why, yes. Why are you doing laments? <laughs> why, why are you doing this? And then 9-11 happened. Mm. And they came in very handy. Yeah. And so I think in times of national or personal crisis, mm. wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For you know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. And so sometimes it's us that's the problem. And there are these penitential psalms throughout this altar that, as I said, our prayers of confession are based on. And this one, and the reason why I read so much of this one is it brings out another question because here in verse five I was born guilty a sinner when my mother conceived me psalms aren't doctrine they're poetry and so we can't use that to put a doctrine of sin on that but what we can know is that we've had times when we feel so terrible that we have done something you know we it's a lot of psalms are about things done to us but these particular psalms are when we've done something to God and to other people and I think we all know how horrible we feel when that happens. And we feel worthless. And the psalm is, as I said, it's not doctrinal. The psalm is expressing the emotions of what it feels when we're the ones that have hurt other people and hurt God. And so we're coming to God to ask for forgiveness um, so we can begin again. So the psalms, again, to pray that, to say, say to God, have mercy on me, again, shows the relationship because the person praying this prayer is trusting that God is going to have mercy. 
um, even when I am the one that, that broke it, whatever it was that was broken. So, so we use these often. I know sometimes um, many churches who do um, a blue Christmas use lament psalms in, in, the, in those. A lot of times praise psalms or even, you know, the wonderful Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Sometimes in the midst of illness or sorrow or catastrophe, those just don't work. But it is the lament psalms then that give us the place to stand, if you will in faith when it feels like everything around us is broken. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I've definitely used those in my life during dark periods, you know, reading the Bible and feeling like none of this is speaking to me and then getting to those Psalms of lament and being like, that's how I feel. That's where I am. <laughs> well, and, I, and, and I think too, it then legitimizes the praise because there's genuine praise because there's genuine lament. So it's not just happy, happy, happy without any context, yeah. right? It is happiness in the midst of the laments, which says to us, this is life. Yes. This is how life gets lived out in, in our days and in our world. I think that if I am a good pastor and a good teacher of the church, I want people to know about these and have access to them in the midst of the things that happen at two o'clock in the morning when a pastor is not available, right? When, when the darkness comes to have these as a resource. And I think just to know people have been in your position before. For thousands of years. For thousands <laughs> of years. And they've gone to God and I mean, is there a magic wand that instantly makes things better? Of course there isn't. But it gives our faith expression when faith feels broken. You got interested in these Psalms of Lament in the 90s, before September 11th, before there was uh, more interest in it. What, what was, why were you interested in the Psalms of Lament? I do think that what it was, I mean, for me, it was showing that depth of relationship, that that depth of relationship was hard to get at in other texts. It was there and it's assumed, but you really see it in the laments. You see how much God loves us and wants to hear from us. You know, we don't have to, people would say to me, I'm too upset. You have to pray for me, pastor as if they were too upset to pray for themselves, that they felt like someone else had to pray for them. And I wanted to say, no, there's this resource here. You can, you can pray for yourself. It's right there in the Bible. And I think a lot of times we didn't talk about them. And I don't, I mean, I'm very interested in issues of justice, racial justice, justice for women. What I like about the Lament Psalms is that you can take that pain to the throne and you are not diminished because of your race or your gender or anything else in your life when you stand before God and you tell God how you feel. 
you are validated as created in the image of God. That that can be part of the place to go when you feel broken. Mm. I love that. And yeah, so, I, so I think they're empowering. I think there's some, I think there's a justice piece in here. I okay. think that they can help us see it, if we can stand. I mean, people are complaining about the protesters now. If you can stand before God mm -hmm. and, you know, say no justice, no peace, which sometimes is basically what the laments say, then we should be able to see people mm. and hear that lament as legitimate, mm. as a cry of real pain. Yeah. Because God is receiving it that way. Mm. You know, it, it, it can be a little pain or it can be a giant pain in our lives. It can be a tiny fear, which maybe we shouldn't even have, you know, we can talk ourselves out of it. But no matter what, God's always there to listen. Mm. And the fact that you can stand before God and yell. <laughs> yes. You know, it says something about who God wants us to be. Yeah. And that's the relationship. And that is why I got interested in it. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, this has been wonderful. I, I think that this is... I hope that this will give people some license to, you know go into the Bible and express their fears using these Psalms of Lament. I mean, they are words already that we can, that we can pray that they're, that are there for us to look at, to read. Uh, even when we feel like nothing else in life is giving us that, that choice, that freedom to do that. Um, so thank you for introducing us to those. I'm excited about that um, placeholder you said as well, you know, the idea of enemies and foes um, being a placeholder. And I think that will really give people um, options to use these Psalms of lament uh, in their own lives, especially this year. <laughs> so, and while I am, I, I'm not intentionally plugging this, but a lot of lay people mm -hmm. have found it useful. I have written mm -hmm. a small book for lay people out of Westminster, John Knotts, which okay. is called the Psalms for today. Oh, wonderful. As I said, it's designed for lay people. Uh, some folks have used it for church Bible study, but it talks about the concepts we've talked about today more in depth. Yeah. And it's really written more as a devotional piece. It gives mm. a lot of, of, of information, of course, but it really is meant as a devotional piece. Wonderful. Awesome. If anyone's interested, that that is available. Thank you so much. Um, I, and thank you so much for joining me today. This has been um, fantastic. Uh, for those of you at home, um, you know, we were just talking about uh, lament also as um, looking at lament and justice and that connection. Um, in November, we will be uh, doing a webinar um, with uh, Sung Chan Ra, Dr. Sung Chan Ra, who's going to be speaking to us about the Book of Lamentations in relations to justice. Uh, so that'll be a nice um, follow-up. Uh, and then next month on our podcast, uh, we're going to talk about fear in the form of anxiety. Uh, the Bible tells us not to worry about tomorrow and not to be anxious. Uh, so we will be joined by a spiritual director, Derek Weston, to ask the question, how can we be faithful to what scripture tells us and also care for our mental health? Um, which I think is an important conversation to have. So again, thank you so much for joining me today. 
um, Beth and uh, everyone at home. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Crossroads. Managing Editor, Jamie Staley. And Editors, Vishina Brisbane, Kelly Picayo, and Emily Dombroff.